Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh here again on a live Q&A. Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well. As those who watch me live are coming in, I want to make sure I address those who's watching me later or listening later. I want to say thank you all so much for watching. If you're very new to my channel, just want to say thank you so much for, for uh, pushing play or watching. If you feel like after you watch this, you like the vibes and you like what I do here, make sure you go ahead and subscribe. I would love to have you a part of my community here online. <clears throat> but if you've been a part of my community for a while, I want to say thank you so much for being a part. It's an honor to serve you all, and I'm glad that the resources and tools and the wisdom that God has um, blessed me with is, 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 is helping you all grow closer to him, closer to your person, uh, purpose, and being the person that God has created you to be. But for those who are watching me live, hope y'all doing exceptionally well. As you come in, make sure you like, you uh, share, you vibe with me, and um, help this video get some traction so we can reach a lot more people. Um, but let's get right into the chat box here. Uh, Shannon Craig, what's going on? Thank you, Coach Josh, for always bringing a real listen, man. I don't want I don't want to meet y'all in heaven. Y'all was like, yo, coach, you didn't really keep it real with me. So it's an honor that you think that I'm uh, that I keep it real here. Uh, Chua got a question right off the bat. Chua says, hey, coach, how do I know I am in a legalistic church? Great question. Um, legalism is is where the rule dominates or the rule supersedes relationship or the rule kind of inclines individual up under that format um, to uh, be more focused on uh, the rules of holiness versus allowing holiness being inside out. Um, uh, legalism is more so trying to make a person holy from the outside in versus allowing the Holy Spirit in partner with him, allowing holiness to be birthed from the inside out. Now, what I mean by holiness, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying I'm in regard regards to uh, 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 works righteousness. But what I am implying is that, that in Christ, Jesus imputed his righteousness on us while our sins was placed on him. Right now, those who are saved are righteous in the eyes of God. And what I mean by that, they are in right standing, meaning that there's no hell in the cars for them. Um, they have been saved. They have been rescued. They have the Holy Spirit sealed in them. Therefore, they now have the opportunity um, to live righteously throughout the life. But just because righteousness has been imputed to you doesn't mean your patterns have been made righteous. And so um, there is a unique balance between grace and rules. I work in a school right now. Um, <clears throat> instead of working at elementary school, I'm in the middle of the high school and, and you need rules. Um, people say, well, I want relationship over religion. Well, that doesn't quite make sense. It's like saying I want marriage without vows. I want marriage without any type of guidance. So even within um, the faith, there has to be uh, uh, um, some guardrails to kind of make sure that individuals are really seeing the truth for what it really is. So to your question, science being a legalistic church, number one, um, the rules mean more to them than your actual relationship. Number two, um, you know, you're in a legalistic church when you don't feel like you're a way you don't have the grace to grow. Um, but <clears throat> if it's all about the, the, the skirt length, um, what you wearing, what you saying, what you doing, it's all about that to the T. Or it could be that they want you to be that way so that you can be this perfect representation. So when visitor churches come, you, 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 you kind of give off this, this look, but, um, but there, we don't want to get so extreme where we start saying, well, legalism is because then you start throwing good stuff out with the bath water. You start throwing the baby out with the bath water and you start saying, I want a relationship and no one can judge me when the word of God says, um, we're supposed to judge with a righteous judgment. Um, but how do you feel? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Do I feel like I'm pressured to fit this mold other than Christ? Am I pressured to be a person without any type of empathy of grace? Or I'm in a church that's saying, hey, I give you grace, but I also give you um, the guidelines in regards to helping you avoid certain pitfalls, avoid certain habits and flow with the things of God. And so that's just off the top of the dome that, you know, you're in a legalistic church when <clears throat> the grace of God, the mercy of God, 
of is not being preached, but a bunch of rules. But there has to be balance. You just can't be in a church on the flip side where it's all grace, all mercy, all love, because then you're going to be lopsided. A partial gospel doesn't save anyone. The full gospel of Christ does. And the full gospel is that we are by default sinners and we are in need of a savior. But it's the goodness of God that brings us to the recognition that we need a savior. Therefore, repentance is birth. And when repentance is birth, then the salvation seed is planted in the person's heart. And then the Holy Spirit seals them. And now they're in a process of sanctification to grow uh, and deeper to the image of Christ, uh, but but you can't have that working without um, grace and guidelines. So I hope to help family. <clears throat> Hopes I, I answered your question to some of that. Oh, oh, you had another question to go with that. Give me one second. You said, and in a church claiming that more than 90% of churches are wrong today and that we are one of the few true. And when they, when people, that's a, that's a clear sign of cultish type of behavior. Anytime a person likes to talk bad about another, highlight themselves to make you feel like whatever, whatever about them, that's that could be a red flag of a church. Um, um, the church shouldn't be there. The blood has already been shared for the church. There shouldn't be no blood shed between churches, right? The blood was shed through Christ for the remission of sins for us to be saved. There shouldn't be blood sheds between churches. So if churches are acting like gangs or your church is always talking about how these churches are bad and we good, an insecure person always talks about how bad another person is and how great they are. That's a sign. I'm, I don't know your past. I don't know your church. I don't, I don't have any details, but I'm just going off what you're saying. Anytime someone has to say say someone is bad to make themselves look good, chances are you you up under insecure shepherd and chances are you in the middle of a cult. That's just my thoughts, but I don't know all the details on it. Good stuff. Christina Stubbs, what's going on? Christina Stubbs says, have you ever felt spiritually weary? If so, what are some ways that you combat that weariness? Great question. Um, the Bible says, be weary and faint not. Um, um, Weariness is not the sin. It is allowing the weariness to kind of continue, right? Uh, not be weary and sin not. That's be angry and sin not. What's that scripture I'm looking for? Give me one second. Let me look up scriptures on weariness. Um, and make sure I'm saying what I'm saying right. Uh, and let us not grow weary. There we go. Let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we will reap if we faint not. That's the scripture I'm looking for. Let me go ahead and share that for you all so we can kind of do a study together for our sister here so that we can really dissect the word of God. Because this scripture really played a major role in regards to helping me combat any type of weariness. Let me bring it up to the forefront real quickly. All right. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we faint not. So to your question, <clears throat> spiritual weariness is actually a um, sign of growth. And I wouldn't say sign of growth, but 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 it's a sign that um, that there's warfare, there's resistance. The key word in that verse says, let us not grow weary. Weariness is going to happen. You're going to be tired. The goal is not to quit, but to rest. Right. Most people, when they feel weary, they think that's a sign for them to be like, I'm going to go ahead and quit this. No, weariness just means maybe you just need to assess what you're doing, how you're doing it and make the adjustments where necessary. But those who grow weary are those who allow themselves to be planted in weariness. And that weariness then um, weighs on their mind and then they start uh, welcoming unnecessary burdens. Burdens, and we're not even talking about physical burdens. We're talking about emotional burdens. When you grow in weariness, you start entertaining more thoughts, which then those thoughts produce heavier emotions. Like sadness is heavy. Sa emotions like sadness, 
um, anxiety, uh, anger, all the negative kind of emotions and even the positive ones to the extreme are heavy. So when you grow in weariness and emotion where <clears throat> you're just tired and kind of feel worn, um, you, you have to assess that. But it says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Now, most people's weariness, my friend, is because of not of good doing, but of poor doing. See, the Bible says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Now, you have to ask yourself, is my spiritual weariness due to spiritual immaturity? Is my spiritual weariness due to me doing bad? Now, that weariness is a byproduct of, of just, you need to just find balance. You just got to make some assessments and make some changes, make some cuts in your life. So that is what you need to do. Spiritual weariness is when um, you the warfare is getting a little bit too heavy, but is it warfare that you welcomed into your life? Is it warfare that um, that is there because of, of just bad associations? Is that spiritual weariness due to, because you go into a church that only serves y'all cupcakes and pastries, but don't share with you the meat of God's word? with nutrients. So you have to, am I, am I growing weary because of doing good or doing bad? And the rest of the verse says, for in due season, we will reap spiritual weariness could be a byproduct of false expectations of God and his delivery services. So sometimes people grow weary <clears throat> because they think they're due season. So they start doing dues to try to make their due season come quicker, but you can't, you can't force God's hand. You can't make God come quicker for you. So you got to understand, is my spiritual weariness due to poor doing? Is my spiritual weariness due to me being plugged into <clears throat> spiritual systems that are not strengthened by the spirit of God, therefore weakening me? Or is my spiritual weariness due because of my false expectations of God and the due season that I expect him to do X, Y, or Z? But it also gives a disclaimer. It says, for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up, which means that even though you could be doing good, but you still have an opportunity not to receive uh, what's for you. So now how did how did I come back that this verse right here? I broke it down. I really asked myself, am I doing good? Or am I doing poorly? Is Am I am I worried because of lack of discipline? Am I growing weary due to a lack of focus? Am I growing weary due to being plugged into poor spiritual systems? Am I growing weary spiritually because of my false expectations of God and when he's supposed to come through for me? So those are the three or four questions you have to ask yourself, my friend. And when I begin to answer those questions, I've been to, I begin to go into God's word to find um, the, the tools needed to say, OK, I need to discipline my life. So I started looking up prudence. I started looking up stewardship. I got to I started asking myself, OK, what are my regiments? Am I really invested in the things of God to help me become spiritually strengthened? Right. So so those are some of the things you got to think about. <clears throat> And um, and you defeat weariness through worship. Worship says, God, I'm just going to come to you. This is the first phase of worship. The first phase of worship is saying, God, I'm going to come to you, cut you three or four spiritual songs on, cut your playlist on and say, God, I need restoration. I'm just going to bask in your presence for a few days or whatnot. Periodically, when I have time, I'm just going to sit in your presence, God. And allow you just to hold me to, to, to let me know that you're there. And then I will be rejuvenated to go out to make those changes to go forward. Hope to help, family. Hope to help. All right. Next question. OK. Hey, Leah, what's going on? Divine 15 says best advice for a 24 year old working too many hours and not being able to have time to pursue her dreams as a businesswoman. My job is keeping me from doing other stuff in my life career related. Great question. Divine 15. Let me see if you post anything else. All right. <clears throat> First, you have to ask yourself, did you choose this job or did God choose this job? If you chose the job, you got to ask yourself, why did you choose the job? Did you choose the job because it made more money uh, or, or did you choose a job because God led you there? Now, 
Um, because that's a very vital answer. Because if God led you there, then maybe God wants you to focus there and not on your career right now. But if you chose that job and, and or the job is getting a little too dense, uh, um, then you have to really assess, OK, OK, God, I'm going to you. I'm going to return to you and ask you, God. Um, I desire for you to order my steps. The Bible says the steps of a good person, good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And when you when you embody that, you will say, God, lead my steps now. You have to ask yourself, what was uh, was the last few steps of mine more where I wanted to go or was my steps previously where God wants me to go? So you got to look at your spiritual habits and your spiritual understanding to say, OK, am I just doing this to be doing this? Or am I really being led? Because if you, when you answer that question, you'll be able to see what you should do going forward. So let's look at side A. If it's because you chose that job, this is a great time to go to God and say, God, what should I do? Where should I go? And then you begin to trust in God's leadership. And then he will begin to make balance in your life where he'll then open up a door um, where where you can be able to transition to a job that gives you balance between your your health, the health of your business, the health of your family, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if God placed you there, then you got to blossom where you planted. And you just got to say, OK, maybe this is not the season for me to focus on my my business right now. Maybe God has a season here now, because I'm going to tell you this. When I worked at the YMCA, um, um, I had programs, I had stuff that I wanted to do through the, through the YMCA. But um I just I, I just felt like it just wasn't time. And then after some period of time, a lady, an assistant principal at the elementary school that I used to work at came in and was like, hey, you looking for a job? And so what I'm saying there is that every progression of mine came after I blossomed where I planted. It's hard for people to see what kind of fruit you are from the seed that's been planted where you've been planted if you haven't blossomed. Air, all seeds look just about the same. So we don't know what kind of seed is that until it blossoms. People are attracted to flowers, not seeds. People are attracted to fruit, not seeds. So what I'm saying is we don't know what you are or capable are until you blossom. So what I'm saying is blossom where you plant so people can come smell the rose. Because when people come smell the rose, they may pluck you out of that place and put you in their garden, a garden that's better for you to be who you need to be. Hope to help. Sugar Mama, what's going on? Ross Gallup says, hey, coach, how do I call on God when I am tempted? I feel the urge of temptation is strong and hard for me to resist. What do I do? Good question, bro. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible says it's a present help in a time of trouble. The Bible says with every temptation, there's a way of escape. Um, so what I would do this is um, two things. What's the first verse I said? I said the first verse is uh, he's a present help. Um, you have to first recognize that he is present. He is available every single time. The issue is temptations come stronger when we're not frequently in his presence, because when you're when you're kind of what I mean by in God's presence, the word of God does say that it's in him that we live, move and have our being. But what I mean by presence, I'm talking about engaged presence, like my wife and I are married. We could be in the same room. We may be in proximity of each other, but our hearts can be far from each other. So just because you in the same space as God doesn't mean your heart is in God. And so what I mean is that temptation. Temptations become their loudest when you have been the most distant from from God in fellowship, because the more you fellowship with God, temptations, voices grow slim that those things get smaller. Right. So 
He's a present help, not in a, not just near this time of trouble, but a time of triumph. The issue is the reason why we fall in traps of troubles is because we we fall away from God in moments of triumph. Oh, I could do this on my own. I'm triumphing now. I'm excited. I got my treasure. I got my triumph. I'm triumphant. And so what we do is, thank God, I triumph. I, I'm victorious on my own, so I no longer need God. But no, we have to say, even in the midst of triumph, God is present to keep me from being prideful, right? So that's the prerequisite that we're Kind of help you from falling into those temptations, my friend. Making sure that you frequent God's presence often throughout the day because the best ability, my friend, is availability. So when you're available to God, you will find things to be productive in, and you'll be so productive in the things of God and sensing what He wants you to do in each day that you have no time to recognize no temptation, right? The second verse says, With every temptation is a way of escape. Meaning that when you look at the temptation right now, I want you to see the paper, write down the temptation. Every time you tempt anyone listening, write down the temptation. And, and, and ask yourself, what are the ways of escape? There is not one temptation that's not common to man, but with every temptation, he makes a way of escape. So you got to ask yourself, am I willing to go the way? Because the reason why we fall into temptation, is because in that moment, we desire the temptation more than the one um, who can deliver us from it. So that is what I would do, my friend, and saying, OK, God, in order for me, I may have you. I don't care if you fell five minutes ago. What you do now, say, OK, God, I'm going to recognize your presence with that wherever, wherever I'm present. And I'm going to engage with you a little bit more often. I'm going to fellowship. I'm just going to commune with you. Like, you don't got to be all deep. Just be in your car and just talk to God. God, how are you doing? Cut on some worship music. Cut on some the audio Bible dramatized and get your spirit fed. There's times when, you know, when you come from hooping or you come from balling or you come from exercising that first glass of cold water, it felt like it just rushed to every part of your body. That's how it is when you feed your spirit. We are fat physically, but we're anorexic spiritually. We got to feed our spirit man. Or maybe we, yeah, we need to feed that, that spirit man, that nutrients it needs so that it can permeate through the soul areas of our lives and so that we can be physically strong, physically sharp, physically wise to be able to do what we need to do. So urges are going to come, but don't make urges urgent. Just because it's urge doesn't mean it's urgent because there's just bodily urges that your body is going, you know, as a guy, you, you as a woman, you know, there's different urges that just comes without, without you even looking at anything or doing anything. But you got to make sure that you have some some good equity in your relationship with God where that power can enable you to be free, my friend. I hope that helped. The Christian lifestyle says how to know your purpose and your calling and the difference of them. Great question. Um, your calling is what you're called to do. Um, and I think if we look at it, your purpose and calling is the same thing. Um, the, no, 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 no. Okay. Okay. There's components of our purpose that doesn't become enlightened until we know our calling. You can be purposeful, but not eternally purposeful, right? So you can be, there's a lot of people who's executing and operating a purpose, but it hasn't been called. They, they, they haven't sensed the calling of it. So it's almost like you're, you're out there doing your thing. You're a writer, you're an author, you're a singer, you're a rapper, you're a musician, you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, businessman. You're out there doing your thing. You may be in the patterns of your purpose. You may be in the um, the productivity of your purpose, but it is not anointed. It's not it's not empowered or emboldened by the spirit of God until God calls you and say, hey, Christian lifestyle, I'm calling you to do this differently. I'm calling you to do this for my glory now, not for yours. So that's what makes your purpose uh, in, in infused 
or or entwine intertwine with your calling it's when um, um you begin to have a different direction for what you do now you no longer write books for the glory of yourself but for the glory of god you no longer uh, um do these purposeful things for the world or for yourself now you feel a deeper sense of calling to do it for this group this moment this way for his glory and his glory alone that's the difference you can be in your purpose, but not in your calling. Purpose is is you is where your gifts, talents, and all that stuff lies in, and it kind of helps guide you to a place of success and whatnot. And people can do that. As a bunch of billionaires, millionaires, successful people operating a purpose, but they're operating in it carnally or not in the way of God. But it's when God calls you and answer that call, you begin to say, you know what? I've been doing my purpose the wrong way. Now it's time to do it God's way and for his glory. Hope that helped. Naomi, what's going on? Charmaine, what's going on? Liz Marie says, how to do a family Bible study and how to start? Great question. Um, a family Bible study is doesn't have to be perfect. Um, That's what you do. Um, my wife and I, our goal, we have a backup, backup, backup plan because we're pulled on in many directions. So our family Bible study is Saturdays mornings with pancakes. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we do a big breakfast. That's our goal. If we don't do it Saturday morning, we do it Sunday before we go to start our uh, day. Right. But our Bible study is just typically what is God placed on your heart for us? My wife usually goes first. I ask her, what do you what have, what scripture has God placed on your heart? And then she'll share what she feels God placed on her heart. And then I share what I feel like God placed on her heart. And then we have dialogue. Um, um, so that's just a way for a couple. But if you have children, I think the best Bible study to start with children and family with where there's kids is with apologetics. Or, or just the attributes of God, letting them know this is how God is. So what you do is, let's start with the uh, the uh, attribute of immutability, that God is uh, never changing, he's immutable. Uh, um, you look up scripture, let's look up scripture together with immutability so that you can kind of see what we, what the vibes is and how we can really um, get our children um, scriptures on immutability. All right, what does it say about, okay. All right, here we go. Let me share the screen real quick so we can um, see how we can do Bible study with kids for sure. So the first one, Micah 3, 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. For I am, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. James also says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with where there is no variation or shadow due to change. Hebrews 13 is a big one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then what you could do with your kids is saying, okay, how, how does this help one's relationship with God, knowing this? How does knowing this about God help us? If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's a rock. That's security. That's stability. So you can start off with just simply going to openbible.info and type in, um, or you can do something in regards to attributes of God. Let's look that up. Attributes of God. And you can find uh, what are the main attributes of God? Uh, omniscient. What are nine attributes of God? God is unique. God is infinite. God is internal. God is immense. Contains all things. Is immutable. Is utterly simple. Is personal. So just keep doing the 15 attributes of God and see what they say. Uh, let's see. Uh, God is infinite. He is self-existent without origin. Um, God is immutable. He never changes. So there's a lot of different things that you can um, use that can really just be like, wow, 
the kids start getting into the vibes and they're like, oh man, God is dope. And how, and that, that begins to lay the foundation so they can build upon it. So when in a situation, they can remember, well, God is not like that or, oh, God is like that. And it helps them determine between counterfeits and counterparts and how to navigate in life. Um, so how to do a family Bible study is one of two ways. Um, have every child, every person say, okay, let me know what y'all read today, this week. And, and share what God showed you. And that kind of shows you how everyone, what everyone is getting from the scripture. And y'all dialogue about that. Or y'all can do a reading plan, a proverb a day, a gospel a month, and, and just start with those foundational principles of relationship. And then you'll start seeing like, wow, it's thought, but you got to be consistent and you got to pick a time or pick a time and a backup time where y'all able to engage with each other, where this doesn't fall through. Because the enemy is going to try to attack that because when the family is strong, when the man is strong, the wife is strong. You know what I mean by that? Okay, when the when the husband is focused and, and, and strong, the woman feels more secure and stable. When the woman feels more secure and stable, the kids feel more secure and stable, right? When the family's secure and stable, the community and the family start around, start falling suit, the community becomes secure and stable. Once the community, the region, the region, the state, the region, the city, the city, the state, or the, the neighborhood, the region, the state, the country, etc. But if the family's broken, every other compartment out there is broken as well. So stay consistent, my friends. Leah Tyus, I got time for one or two more and I got to go. Leah Tyus, if done it all, if I done it all right, giving it over to God, yet I still love the man I walked away from, why do I still desire him? It's a soul tie. It's, there's, there's soul connection. Sometimes the deliverance doesn't mean that the, the separation doesn't mean full deliverance has occurred, right? And so you've given it over to God, but surgery takes some time. Um, um, uh, uh, surgery on the physical body may take a few hours, but surgery on the soul may take a few weeks, could take a few days, could take a few years. Why? Because we haven't allowed ourselves to take anesthesia. We have we haven't allowed ourselves to be still. We haven't allowed ourselves to be um, um, to be patient. In order for um, the doctor to work on the patient, the patient must be patient. Right. The patient got to be a patient. The patient got to say, OK, I got to sit here and be patient and listen to see what I, what is needed for me to be fully healed. So you have to ask yourself, is there any impatience? Is there any anxiety? Is there really a deep dive? Because we can get all shallow all we want. But until we get deep, we won't be healed. So the real question, Lee, is to ask yourself, why am I tied to this man? Why do I love him deeply? And it really don't got nothing to do with him. We attach a person to the thing that we should have dealt with. And then when you when you deal with that issue, you're going to look at that man and be like, I can't even believe I like that man. But when you don't take time to look deep, is it a daddy issue? Is it, is it from the first boyfriend? Is it because you struggle with abandonment? A lot of my issues in my 20s and probably 30 and 31 was because of abandonment issues that I didn't deal with or I thought I dealt with. So so I don't. But when, when I begin to look at previous relationships and previous situations, I begin to say, man, that was dumb of me. But I blame them. I blame that. I got in my feelings over that and that, but it really had nothing to do with that. It all had to do with issues that I not did not allow myself to deal with through the help of the Holy Ghost. Um, so you don't love him. You just infatuated with him or you uh, demonically connected to them or soul tied to him due to a deeper issue that this is covering. Because if you only treat the symptoms but not the source issue, it will just be another thing that pops up again. If you don't pull the weeds out, my friend, and pull the seeds up, you you look like you got a great garden in the beginning, and then over time those weeds grow up again. Um, so giving over to God is cool, but you got to give yourself over to God. You can give 
it to God, but that's not it. That's not the problem. We try to give things over to God without giving ourselves to him. The thing that we're giving over to God is not the issue. It is the issue that's inside of us. So we have to give ourselves over to him and let him do the surgery that he needs to. So what I need for you to do is get a sheet of paper and write down the deep reasons of why you attach to this man, why you love him immensely, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and let God do surgery in the deep wounds of you. And then you'll look at that man and be like, hmm, I don't even know why you still like him. Hope to help. Tawanda says, yo, Captain Ezzy, what's going on? That's a new one. Captain Ezzy, can you be obedient to God without faith? No, the Bible says without faith is impossible to please God. If any man uh, desires to come to God, they must first know that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you can be obedient, but you won't be pleasing. There's a lot of there's a lot of kids that do what you say with the wrong attitude. That don't mean it's pleasing. I got kids in the school right now. They'll do what I say, but they'll snap their teeth and be whatever, whatever. So did they really fully obey? Full obedience is with attitude as well, you know. So so you have to say, uh, uh, am I because faith builds from faithfulness and faithfulness builds from fellowship and fellowship builds with foundational understanding of who the father is. So we know the father is you start building a foundation. And you start building trust because you know him. Right. And then when you go forward and when he tells you to do something, you trust that he always knows what's best. And you go from there, my friend. But the Bible says without faith is impossible to please him. So you can be doing the right thing with the without faith and it won't be pleasing because you don't believe that he exists for your situation or that he reward those deals you seek him. And I would be offended if my kids be talking like, well, you can't do this. And my nephew, since I don't have no kids right now, I got my nephew nieces. If they, if they, if they start talking against what I'm actually able to do, I'm going to feel a certain type of way. You don't have faith in me when I've been proven to you. So that's what I would say. Let me get up out of here, guys. It's 30 minutes. I'm going to say I got a super chat here. Um, JJ Jackson, let me find you. Oh, two super chats. Uh, oh, add on. Okay. Uh, Jay Jackson says, I am a Christian woman. There's a Christian man pursuing me. I express that I'm not interested in different ways. Add on. My job never called me for an interview. I had to call them. I basically chased the job until I got it. Now I'm stressed working here. Um, answer. Oh, there's two people. My bad. Okay, Jay Jackson, let me answer your question. I'm a Christian woman. There's a Christian man pursuing me. I express that I'm not interested in, in, in different ways. Um, he'll get the message eventually. Um, just make sure you're not doing anything that's going to make that man feel like you are interested, which I will. I wouldn't answer his calls anymore. I would just kind of I would be cordial, but keep it moving. Um, and um, that's what I would do. Hope to help. Um, in different ways that you express him that you weren't interested verbally, because different ways could be like make a man chase. You have to say words. You got to say explicitly to him, hey, man, I think you're a great guy, but right now I'm just not interested. And if he don't take that, the second time you be like, you know what, you being a nuisance, I may get the cops involved. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you got to communicate with him. You got to be very clear. You got to be very clear with him and say, you know what, I don't like, I, I, I'm just not interested. And, but you can't do it in in nonverbal ways because men can't read in between lines and men will look at nonverbal expressions as an opportunity to chase. But if you you got to sit him down, look him in the eye and say, hey, I'm not interested. I will appreciate if you stop pursuing me, please. And thank you. Or I'm going to get the cops involved. Just joking. Hope to help. Divine 15 says, add on my job. Oh, oh. Add on, my job never called me for an interview. I had to call them. Basically, I chased this job until I got it. Now I'm stressed working. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's what happens. 
The Bible says the blessing of the Lord adds no sorrow. Now, that doesn't mean the blessing of the Lord don't add no struggle. It adds no sorrow. There's not been a blessing of the Lord where I didn't feel there's there's never been a blessing from the Lord that I felt sorrowful. Even 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 as a father figure to some, even I don't it may be a struggle. But I don't feel sorrowful. Sorrowful is the recognizing that you did something you shouldn't have done. And now you feel sorrowful that you did it because of the loss that you suffered. And so what I would do is I would repent to God and say, God, I made it the wrong decision. But thank God you're so merciful and gracious and kind. Help me to navigate my consequence now. And Lord, if if it be thy will, if it is your will. And what I mean by if it's your will, maybe he maybe it could be the job he wants yet. But Lord. Help me to be in your will. That's the prayer. Help me to be in your will. And then once you become repentant and aware and really deal with the issues that makes you impulsive, because God can't really give you a new thing if you still got the old habits. I talked to my students in chapel today about um, new wine and old wine skins. The reason why new wine can't go into old wine skins because the old wine skin, which is goat skin, has already established its, its level of capacity. It's thick. It's hard. Wine needs room. It needs it ferments. And when wine ferments, it stretches the thing and it bursts the wine skins because the wine skin has no more stretchability. So what I'm saying is God can't pour a new thing in your life if you still got hard old things in your life. So in order for you to be blessed with a job to steward, you got to make sure you get into the sewer of your heart and pull out all those things those old habits, they may cause you to be impulsive and be in another bad job that you never wanted to be in. Hope that helped. Um, Got to go, y'all. Take my nephew home. Love y'all. Hope this uh, live was a blessing. My latest book, Counterfeiter Counterpart, is now available. It's a pretty thick book because it's two books in one. Um, it's got scriptures in the back, uh, but it's a great book to help you discern the difference continuously in every area of life between a counterfeit and a counterpart. That book is now available on Amazon. So you can go ahead and get that book right now. Um, here we go. You can get that book right now on Amazon. I believe it's going to be a great resource for you, helping you to really process the difference between a counterfeit and a counterpart. Also, we got other books like The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Whole, Dating Prep Book, The Purpose of Freedom, a book on souls having strongholds. And I got other books, too, but I, can, I don't think I got them, got them listed up here. But all those resources are available to you on my website, IamUnplugged.com. So go there, check it out. Um, uh, areas for you to give. Um, support our mentoring program, my wife and I, areas for you to, uh, for, uh, 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 courses, card games, um, all that good stuff, all available on my website, imunplugged.com. Uh, Coach loves y'all. Hope you have a great rest of the day. And I'm going to start scrolling down at the bottom. Sometimes people at the bottom, okay, we're good. They may have questions about links and stuff like that. And also check out my niece's t-shirt, man. I forgot to promote that. It's also available. Oh, man. Uh, I'll, I'll post a link down there below. See y'all next time. Y'all have a blessed one. Peace.